Hi, I'm Maddie Orton. Welcome to Author Imprint, the podcast. This podcast is the added bonus, the icing on the cake, if you will, the companion piece to our web series, Author Imprint. Haven't seen it yet? Shame on you. I'll wait. Great, right? So in the videos, we interview authors and influencers about their works and the forces that shape our world. But here on Author Imprint, the podcast, we keep it laser focused on literature. How do your favorite authors sit down in front of a blank page and make magic? Who are their major influences? What are they reading? So today I'm here with Jeremiah Moss, author of Vanishing New York, How a Great City Lost Its Soul. If you haven't watched our interview on his book or read his book yet, you can tell from the title it's basically an upbeat romp. So Jeremiah, thank you for being here. We covered this in our video interview, but so listeners were reminded Vanishing New York started as a blog. That's right. So what was the idea behind the blog? Why did you want to write about the pieces of New York that you saw fading? You know, in some ways starting the blog was actually kind of random for me in a sense. I, I had written a novel uh, about a guy named Jeremiah Moss who lives in the East Village and is watching the neighborhood change around him. And when I finished the first draft of that, I, I wanted to be able to keep writing about that and writing in that voice, which was, you know, a voice of complaint, a voice of, of grief and, and, and righteous indignation. So uh, I was looking online and I was looking at other other blogs about the city and I found uh, one called Lost City and, and there were some others out there that were chronicling some of the changes to the city and I thought, well, you know, maybe I could do that and I can make a Jeremiah's blog. Yeah, and to be clear, Jeremiah Moss is, is a pseudonym um, and I assume that gave you a certain amount of flexibility to be more maybe honest, right? In some ways, yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, I found that... Um, as I was writing under the under the pseudonym, that it gave me a kind of psychological freedom, basically. That it, it gave me this sort of space to write. There's something that happens when you write under a pen name where you you have like some distance from yourself and and from maybe from your own neuroses about <laughs> writing that all writers have. Uh, so it gave me that distance and and opened things up a bit for me. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I know you have a background in creative writing and in poetry, which to me are very different things, but I imagine there's some overlap there. How did that um, help serve you with the blog and now the book? I um, came to New York to do uh, a master's degree in the creative writing program at NYU, and I, I was in the, the poetry track of that. So as a poet, I came to New York to to write poetry and to live as a poet, whatever that means, um, <laughs> which you could kind of do at the time, right? You could, you could. This is ninety three. This said, is ninety three. Right? You yeah. know, so you could still. New York was still in a place where you could have that kind of a life and have a little job. This is the New York of rent. I, I imagine that everybody was a poet. That's there were a that's lot. That's what of, rent told me. Yeah, I moved to this right. So I moved to this village, and there were a lot of poets there. You know, and there were a lot of places to read poetry and to meet poets. Uh, so that was really my start, and and I think that you know I really wanted to bring that poetry into this book too. And I think you do. I mean, there's a certain kind of a, a thoughtful, somewhat in touch with your emotions, poetic, for lack of a better word, way. I assume that's intentional. Absolutely. You know, um, I wanted it to be a lyrical kind of a book. There's so much emotion in the losses of these spaces and the losses of the sort of fabric of what made New York, New York. 
uh, for a lot of people. And I wanted to bring the reader into the, these spaces and to feel what it felt like to be there. And, you know, poetry is really so much about senses, right? Bringing in the senses and also being very specific. Mm. Um, or at least the kind of poetry that I always liked to read and to write, and which comes out of, like, the New York School poets. So people like Frank O'Hara and James Schuyler were really writing a lot about the city and moving through the city and so you get the sense of walking through the streets and the whole tapestry of of New York so I wanted to bring that into this book. It's very visceral and I think that there is a sort of tangible sense of mourning in in the way you write which obviously deals with the subject matter but you feel this sense of hurt in the way you write about um, certain places that have closed or why they've closed and I think that that you know for the reader really brings you in and makes you feel that that sort of similar feeling were you feeling that as you wrote is that sort of a an intentional piece or do you think that that is just so ingrained in how you feel about this that it just comes through in your writing naturally I think the latter that it's it comes through naturally and and I will say that you know in writing the book there would be times when I would be writing and I would find myself crying you know um, certain scenes or or memories and that's always like a good sign if I'm making myself cry while I write I'm thinking okay you know this is this this is working and you know not everybody likes that you know some people are gonna find that too indulgent or too emotional you know but so those may be not my readers but for readers who want to have an emotional experience of of the writing and, and then of the city um, you know, th- like a lot of people have have written to me since the book came out to say that I've put into words uh, thoughts and feelings that they could not articulate, and huh. and so there's a sense of um, connection, yeah, an emotional connection that I really I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you're also a psychoanalyst professionally, which right. I assume plays a piece into this. Do you find that writing for you is therapeutic in a way? Hmm. I think in some ways, you know, it's um, people often ask me, uh, do I feel depressed uh, writing about this stuff uh, day after day and, and for the blog? And then, and then if so, you know, how do I deal with that depression? And, you know, my answer is really yes, I do. <laughs> but I think through writing, you know, it, it, gets, it gets sublimated into something else. I'm doing something. So I don't feel so... Impotent because that that impotence is really what gets so frustrating and painful and and you know so the writing is a doing and mm-hmm. and so that feels worthwhile and then I think I also convert it to anger and you know we need more anger righteous indignation is a powerful emotion a powerful energy that can help people make things happen or push for change you know. Uh, depression, you know, is inact is inactivity basically. It's a sort of lack of emotion. So, um, you know, the more emotion you can you can get in touch with around this stuff, the better off you'll be, and 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 you might actually you know find yourself doing something with it. Yeah, and and for people who read your book and feel similarly to you and want to as you've done, spin their frustrations into activism, how can people get involved um, in the way that you have? 
You know, I think there's lots of ways for people to get involved. At the end of the book, I have a, a resource list of different activist groups that have been around. Some of them have been around for quite a while, some are newer, who are doing things in different neighborhoods. Um, I started a little grassroots um, activist group called Save NYC, which people can find, hashtag Save NYC. If you Google that, you'll get there. That's great. Um, you say in the book that you came to New York in the 90s, essentially after New York was, I don't want to say over because that's harsh, mm-hmm. but something like that. You re- referred to it as a Harold and Maude relationship, which is hilarious. What were your halcyon days in New York like in the 90s as a writer? Uh, yep, I was living in the East Village, and I, and I still am. I'm still in the same apartment. I was going to the New Yorkian, uh Poetry Club, which is still there, and the St. Mark's Poetry Project, which is still there, remarkably, Um, and reading in those places. And then there were a lot of other places, which, you know, I honestly kind of can't remember. There were so many of them. There was was still a cafe culture at the time, and there is no cafe culture. And anybody who thinks that Starbucks is cafe culture is just wrong. I'm sorry, wrong. (laughs) Uh, It's more connected to the community. Um, It's not a corporate kind of culture, right? So there was cafe culture and there would be readings, there'd be open mics and I'd go to open mic, open mic nights and, and read and you sort of endure everybody's poetry, which is just part of the deal. Like they endure you and you endure them and, and you're in it together. You know, that, that was my world. I wasn't, you know, a lot of people uh, were into the downtown music scene and, and that was not my scene. My scene was much more the, the poetry scene. We have a segment that we like to include in our in our podcast interviews called short stories. These are, um, you know, sort of five quick questions that we want to ask you that uh, that we want to ask everybody. First, what book made you a reader? God, hmm. I mean, I've always been a reader. The thought that comes to mind is that when I was a kid, uh, I had a cousin who owned a bookstore in a shopping mall. And my mother uh, worked there as the bookkeeper, hmm. and she would take me in to work with her. And if I if I straightened the books, my cousin would let me pick a book at the end of the day, and I could have whatever book I want. <laughs> I think that's just a really nice term for child labor, but I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> but now I compu- when I go into bookstores, I compulsively straighten books. Like I can't not do it. Um, but I don't get a free book at the end. So, I, you know, I don't know that that really answers the question, but that's where my mind went with it, that it was a way to really fill my library and to have that relationship with books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you write best when you sit down and look at a blank page to write? I write best. I get up um, at 7 a.m. and I sit at my kitchen table and my laptop and I have a cup of coffee and I just get started and I can write my I'll write for six hours and barely really? and barely move yeah so I'm often in pain at the end which is not great because wow. I, my chiropractor tells me to stretch but um, <laughs> yeah so I'll just sit and write for six hours I often write where I'll I'll write and then the next morning or the next day I sit down I'll read over what I just wrote and sort of start that way sort of rework that a little bit and then move forward that's great okay question three what did you do when you found out you were being published for the first time? Well, the first book I published was a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. I was working um, at the time for a little press called Painted Leaf that my friend Bill Sullivan ran. He published my, my book of poems. And then my next book uh, was a novel called The Nostalgist with a character named Jonah, who's sort of like a little bit of a proto Jeremiah in a way. And it was published by a small press and got no 
you know, no attention whatsoever and sort of sank into the ether. Getting a book published by HarperCollins was really exciting because it was the first time I was published by a, a major publisher and with all the hope that, that they would throw their weight behind it and that people mm-hmm. would actually read it because there's nothing more depressing than working so hard on a book and having it come out and having it vanish into thin air. Well, so what's the flip side of that, though? Knowing that people are reading your book, what does that feel like? It's wonderful and terrifying, you know. You're you're exposed, and people have you know are free to comment on it, and they give their opinions, and um, <laughs> you, you have to steel yourself for that. Well, this ties into the next thing I was going to say. But what is your advice for aspiring authors? You know, keep, you know the keep the keep writing advice really is you know I'm 46, and I've been trying to publish what feels like my whole life um, with very little success and a lot of frustration. You know, and you and you you go through the feelings of despair and envy and you see other people and then, and then as you get older you start seeing younger people right like you hit 40 and you're like ah oh, this 25 year old has got a million dollar advance for their first <laughs> novel and I'm 40 and I've now you know passed all the I can never be on those 30 under 30 lists 40 under 40 lists it's a great feeling you know, isn't it yeah it's, yeah it's wonderful so you know it's the key it's it's keep going and just keep going and don't stop so what are you reading I'm still, because I'm still in the, the headspace of this book, I'm reading a lot of stuff uh, that's connected to it. So um, Dan Doktoroff, who was Bloomberg's deputy mayor of development, uh, he just wrote a book called Greater Than Ever. Mm. Uh, sometimes I put it next to my book and I imagine that at night they get up and fight each other. <laughs> um, like Rock'em Sock'em right, Robots exactly. books. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So I'm reading things that are more like about the city or about... Um, politics and sure. and stuff on race and things like that. And you're still writing the blog. And I'm still writing the blog, yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, listeners, you can find Vanishing New York, How a Great City Lost Its Soul Wherever Books Are Sold. And you can lament along with Jeremiah on his blog, Vanishing New York at vanishingnewyork.blogspot.com. Thanks for sticking around, Jeremiah. We appreciate it. Thank you. And next time on Author Imprint, the podcast... I think that one thing that people sometimes do, and I do it myself in my own way, is think this is a perfect New Yorker cartoon. And that is almost like a recipe for disaster. New Yorker cartoonist Roz Chast with her new illustrated book, Going Into Town, A Love Letter to New York. Let us know which authors you'd like to hear from and what you're reading. Follow me on Twitter at Maddie Orton. That's at M-A-D-D-I-E-O-R-T-O-N for the latest. And join the conversation by using hashtag author imprint. Thanks for listening.